Hey guys, before we jump in, I wanted to let you know that this week's episode does touch on the topic of suicide. So if that's not for you, that's fine. Take this week off, come back next week. We'll see you then. But before you go, I wanted to share some resources with you that Dom provided. You can call or text talk with us to connect with a trained crisis counselor. The number to call is one 800 985-5990. And the number to text is 66746. And then specifically for the LGBTQ plus community, there is the Trevor Project, and that is a 24-7 lifeline. Their number is 1-866-4800. Seven three eight six. Hi, I'm Dr. Dominic, and I'm Mara, and we are so, so psyched. psyched. Hey, Mara, how's your week going? Hey, Dom, welcome <laughs> back, and welcome back, guys. Thanks for coming back for week two of So Psyched. Um, my week's been good. How about you? It's, it's been good. It's been good. Yeah. So every week I kind of, before we get into the meat of the episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about what's going on in pop culture this week and what we're loving. Um, I know for me, so we're recording on Sunday, March 27th. It's going to be released a little bit after, but Bridgerton for us just came out on Friday and I am obsessed. I'm trying to get through it as fast as I can because with Netflix, it's always like, a race to get through it as fast as possible because all the episodes are out. So you have to watch it like immediately or you're going to get spoilers. Do you have Netflix? I do. I do. I, and I was telling because my parents loved, um, the crown, like Mm. they were super, super into it. Mm. So I was, I've never seen Bridgerton, but I was, you would love it. You need to watch it. I, I, I know it's like Shonda Rhimes. Right. Yeah. It's Shonda. Yeah. Yeah, like I was very like you need. I told my parents I was like you need to watch this. I don't know if they did, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. um, they really should. <laughs> yeah. And um, so yeah, so I think one thing it's it's, it's so funny because I saw it advertised on Netflix. I saw it like, mm-hmm. I think last night coming up, and I think that just for me, like one thing that I've really enjoyed I think the whole month of March has really been um McDonald's with it's oh my god why can't I remember this is not a McFlurry oh please shamrock shakes I, a shamrock shake I can't even remember <laughs> what it is because it's the end of the month that I've enjoyed so much for the month um wow I love it but that just shows I think this is just a great example right now for everybody of just what um burning out your brain leads to when you're just doing so much and you can't this is like an impaired memory probably issue that I have but um, getting right into the psych exactly that you're hearing (laughs) right live on this podcast you're seeing somebody decompensating um so (laughs) so with that being said yeah the shamrock shakes have really been um I look forward to them every year I always try to have like one during the season and I just really enjoy the mint and I know everybody doesn't like mint um but 
I don't know. Like I really like them. Do you, uh, do you like them? Have you had one? Oh my gosh. I love them. I actually haven't gotten one yet this season because there's not like a McDonald's right by me. That's it's Mm. kind of inconvenient to get to. So I kind of forget about it, but I do love shamrock steaks. I love to like dip fries in them. Oh my God. So good. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, the other thing too that like I really want to tell everybody Mm -hmm. um that just I just went to with like a friend of mine last night. Um, kind of spur of the moment, kind of last minute. So um as of today, it's it continues to be in previews, but it is going to be opening on April 4th. Is the new play on Broadway um Take Me Out. Uh, starring Jesse Williams. Jesse Williams, you may know from, maybe remember from Grey's Anatomy, was on her, played Avery for a very long time. And I actually have the playbill here so everybody can see. Um, It was really, really great. I was really impressed last night with with everybody. I mean, especially Jesse and there's quite a number of stars in it. There's this actor from modern family that's in it. And just, it was really, really well done. And it's actually a revival. Like I thought of you because when you did theater um, before it, so it's a revival and it's not ruining anything by saying like the synopsis of it, that Jesse plays this star, this, um, huge uh baseball star and he oh so it's like take me out to the ball game it's like yeah and yeah yeah. yeah, oh yeah yeah so it's about it's very like baseball um like that's like the whole environment which I am not that familiar with (laughs) but he plays this star that um comes out and then it and it goes into just um mass you know themes of toxic masculinity and gender and just um the culture in America and still how it is currently in terms of having major athletes come out and then also too Jesse's biracial there's this whole racial theme that's going out in it and just not taking too much away but it's really 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 phenomenal like the second act of it just I mean just it seemed like everybody in the theater just was so riveted just and the acting was just superb just the whole cast it was really really phenomenal um but oh so you want to hear something crazy that like I did not know um Mm -hmm. until Saturday afternoon that um one thing was that I get this email and then I show my friend and it's saying that like, so make a long story short, they made us like, you don't, you have to put, you have to turn off your phone and put it in this like pocket thing. And like, you keep it. Um, but it has like those things that like, are um, like, if you go to any department store, like the things that are on oh, for like, like a the, security tag. Yeah. Like, in yeah. An so tag. like, you yeah. Can't oh, wow. open it. yeah. So like your phone's off, like during this whole show. Oh, like I had no clue what time it was like when we were getting out. Yeah. And the, and I've never been to a show like where we've had to do that before. And the reason yeah. I, that the reason why I'm guessing is because there is nudity throughout the show. 
Um, okay. There's, there's a number of scenes and I mean, a lot of the show takes place in like the locker room. There's even scenes um, in the showers. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of nudity in it. So I believe that that is to protect the, the artist at work. Um, yeah. Kind of with that. Yeah. So it was a really, really, really different um, theater experience. Um, yeah. If you're, if you're in New York, guys, I really, really like encourage you um, to see it. It's it's really different than just some of your more typical kind of Broadway shows, which I kind of love that kind of art um, when it's something really unique in that way. And it's a revival. Yeah. It's, it's J- Jesse was great in it. Um, the yeah. whole cast, the whole cast is just brilliant. So That's awesome. was it a play or was it a musical? Like just- it was a play. Oh, OK. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it was his Broadway debut. Oh, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was Broadway debut. Yeah, yeah. He was really, I was really impressed. I was really, really, like, he did a really good job. (laughs) Yeah. Did he, like, look how, well, how, like, how close were you sitting? Were you able to, like, really get, like, a good look at him? We were, you know, the thing is that what I was excited about, and I talked to somebody that actually works for um, Today Ticks, the app, before, um, before I got the tickets. And mm-hmm. what's, and what I, what I, one thing that I was excited about, cause the seats weren't, they weren't that far, but they weren't that close. It was in the mezzanine. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. thing is that, um, so we're on the top, so we're on the top floor, but the theater is so small. It's smaller than um, the booth. It wasn't at the booth. It was at second stage, but um, the booth is where Ryan Murphy did um, did the revival of the boys in the band before okay. COVID. He did that, I think, in 2019. And I know the booth the booth is small. Um, this I was even is even smaller. And mm-hmm. like you're so, I mean, you're so close to the actors. Like it's yeah. really like there isn't like a bad seat in the yeah. house. Like it's it's a really really small theater. Um, like it's I have to. Say, like it seemed to me that theater was smaller than the theater that we did stage rage um Mm. that i yeah like the the work that i did for like five years at the high school where i worked like that theater i like believe was bigger than where i was last night because i was speaking to my friend about that yeah but do you um, know if it was considered off broadway or what no it was broadway it was was broadway it's right across from um it's right across from phantom okay Okay. Because it was like, and I like never like go like go down like that block. It's crazy mm-hmm. like leaving and people are, you know, at, at the stage door like waiting for Jesse and you have security and you have like a his car there waiting for him. So it, it's like, I forgot like how crazy it is like yeah. at night, like when people are letting out of like the theaters and everything. Um, but guys, like seriously, please go check it out because um, it's just in... This is March 27th. So I saw it when it's still in preview. So it hasn't even officially opened yet, but it's, it's an all-star cast. Great, great, great show. Oh, that's awesome. I'm so jealous. I (laughs) would like love to go see a show again. You have to come. I know you have to come up here stone. Yeah. That'll be so much fun. Um, Yeah. That'll be a lot of fun. And it's, I think the thing that's interesting too, just with this too, because we're talking about, coming out we're talking about race we're talking about 
um, masculinity. And we've seen so much of those conversations for years. One thing that's interesting, um, and, and I really thank you because you really, you know, wanted to look into this episode this week in terms of this lens was all of these different um, mental health themes and topics that we've been hearing about for a while now in the Zet guys, we're seeing that kind of play out in social media, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a great transition into what we're talking about this week. Yeah. So like when we were talking about starting this podcast, um, I know one of the things I said to Dom was I just have like so many questions for you of things that I'm seeing on social media and like, is this legit? Is this not legit? Like, should people be saying this, you know? Um, so yeah, let's, let's get into that. Um, I know like one thing (laughs) there's so much. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, one thing I see a lot of is people who label themselves as mental health advocates. Um, so someone who like doesn't have a professional background in mental health. So they're not like a therapist or a psychiatrist or, you know, anything like that. Um, but had some sort of experience personally with mental health, um, and are just kind of posting about that. So I wanted to kind of ask you like, these, like, is that helpful? Is it hurtful? Like what, what do you think? I think that's a really great question. And when you ask this, so, and again, like, I know I, I bring up, I should, probably tell everyone listening I because this goes into um when I was working on stage rage which is uh, my dissertation and just research that I did for five years I worked um this is all before COVID by the way mm-hmm. I worked for five years and conducted research and created my own um performing arts therapy intervention that would take um a group therapy or create a group therapy of at-risk youth and we would do group therapy every day. And then we would take them over to the theater. And in five, in five weeks, we, I worked with this incredible and just incredible theater director that she had worked. Um, she had stage managed shows in the city and she had done the West End and she had toured Shakespeare nationally. And she had done the 96 Olympics and just incredible, just an incredible person. And um, together we did this work and in five weeks we would, the kids, the goal was to take themes from the content in the group therapy and then um, can put together a 35, like a 45 to 50 minute professional production that uh, we would ask the kids, what is it that you would want to tell your younger self? And Mm. then they would put this show together based off trauma, uh, abuse, all different types of mental health issues, coming out as gay, coming out as transgendered, um, just generational abuse, like so many different things. And then we would tour them to local middle school audiences in Newark. Uh, so it was, it was some of the most challenging work I've done, some of the most life-changing, impactful. And why I'm bringing this up right now is because we, she was telling me, um, oh my gosh, maybe this was like in 2018, she was telling me, yeah, I read, I read the Times and there was this story about this, the Sunday Times, and there was a story about this woman and how, um, 
she's not a therapist, but she uh, sits, she sits on a bench in Central Park and people can come up and sit down and talk with her and tell them about her problem, about their problems. And she's not offering them therapy because she's not licensed or trained or having any sounds like um, educational experience in terms of this. Um, but she's offering something, it sounds like. Um, so, and she was asking me like what I thought. Um, and I mean, I guess it's okay if you want someone to listen, but I think the whole thing is that it's not a trained, there's somebody has no, sounds like does not have any educational experience, professional educational experience in terms of mental health, um, mm-hmm. professionally licensed, anything in terms of that. Um, so it's, it raises a lot of questions that I think there's a similar similarity with that. to what we're talking about directly in terms of the social media aspect of it. I mean, I know that there's, I've, I know that there's people that have been in therapy and have been in treatment and have made pages talking about um, mental health content and their experiences. And I think that I could definitely speak to people, um, in terms of if it's, you know, if you're coming from like, this was my experience in X, Y, and Z. And it sounds like, I mean, they have massive followings. I think that I will tell you that I've had in the past, a lot of complaints that I've had clients I work with. um, I work with a lot of Gen Zers. I work with a lot of millennials. and it's the Gen Zers actually that those clients that have had complaints from at times where they've been multiple, multiple people complained to me and said, yeah, like we, I see somebody like talking, but just because like, how do I, like, why should I believe what they're saying? Just because somebody's on there calling themselves a mental health advocate. So I've heard those kind of um, points quite a bit. Which is good that like people are, like being critical of it and, you know, taking a step back and saying, wait, why should I believe what you're saying? You know, and taking it a grain of, with a grain of salt, I think, you know? Um, yeah. Cause that's kind of what I've taken from it is yeah. There's some people who are saying like, like I've seen reels that are like, these are things that I was doing that I didn't know was caused by my depression. And they talk about like different symptoms and yeah, I mean, that might cause someone to be like, Oh, I didn't know that I was doing this because I was depressed. Like I just thought this was life, you know? So maybe that does help somebody, but then uh, like on the other end of the spectrum, you have people who are, giving advice to people and like soliciting, uh, say like zoom sessions and things like that, that like you go on their page and like, they don't have any credit. Like I know there's one, um, it like in the LGBT plus arena, there's this like mommy blogger account who is kind of like a late to lesbian. Like she was married to a man and came out and is, you know, now dating woman, which is great, but she started offering these like paid group sessions of like how to come out later in life. And it's like, 
are people actually paying for that? Like what? I mean, just because you did it yourself, like, does that make you qualified to like have other people pay you to talk about that? You know? Yeah. I mean, wow. I did not know that. I think, yeah. that, uh, I mean, people use the term coaching. <laughs> right. <laughs> and use- that's like an ambiguous term too. Yeah. Like what, what does it's that mean? Therapy. Yeah. Right. It's, it's not therapy. And I think it's important for people to know, like, coaching life coaching that's not therapy um and and really the bigger I think one of the when I'm hearing this one of the biggest issues that and I don't know if I mentioned before but I think if you listen to the first podcast the first episode of our podcast and I'm actually teaching right now at Fordham University future therapist Mm -hmm. and I talked to them quite a bit about this topic in terms of transference and counter-transference. And um, you may not know what that means, but I'm going to explain it really quickly. So transference um, for everyone listening is I'm the therapist. I have a client, the patient and um, what the other, what the person seeking services when they're in the room with me or doing telemedicine, there's different experiences from early in their lives, different relationships from earlier in their lives, um, different people, and all of that psychologically they uh, project onto you. So if I remind them of somebody in some type of behavior or something like something that I say or something that I wear or how I look or um, just questions that I ask, like whatever it may be, that that's transference. And then the opposite, the other end of that is there's countertransference, which is countertransference, which is what I experience um, when I'm working with anyone. Countertransference is what I'm projecting on the client, how I feel about the client. Do I feel, um, you know, I want to protect this person. Do I feel annoyed with this person? If I'm annoyed, what is the reason why? Um, Do I, you know, I mean, it could be so many different, how it's even just in, it comes out, it manifests like even the way that I speak to the person. Um, if I'm speaking to a woman versus, or somebody identifies as a woman versus somebody who identifies as a man versus age in terms of this. I mean, there's so many things that go into it. The important thing just, just for everyone to know is that, um, count for therapy to be like successful counter transference and transference should be just going back and forth and bouncing off like all the time. If not, then there's like a problem. Um, okay. now with that being said, in terms of this, like you have to be trained to mm. understand what transference and counter transference is. And there's such, there's a lot of training that goes into just reflection in terms of what is my bias what are my biases? We all have them. And what, what could I be triggered by? What could I be responding? What could be the reason that I say something or I'm uncomfortable saying something to a client or a patient that all has to be explored. And remember the goal of therapy is for the patient, for the client. And I think what happens a lot of times is you have a lot of self-disclosure from, um, different individuals that are not, trained or not professionally trained and licensed in terms of understanding um, when is self-disclosure 
when is it helpful? When is it relevant? There's a time where it is, but we have to know where that is. And it's, and again, like the, the whole goal of it is supposed to be for the client. And if it's something that's not helpful for the client, then there's like an issue. And I feel mm-hmm. that like, that's the thing with like this coaching, like how much is that done? Or if you haven't even done like a, a class for like coaching and you're just now running groups, I mean, I don't know what is I have no clue what would be, even be going on in the room. Like I was, um, I had an, I, I was interning in the city and we, there was a guest from another organization that came into this space. Um, it was the only time I ever saw this person because again, like it wasn't an employee of where I was. Um, it was the guest that came in and the person, um, the person was providing sexual health education to young people and and doing that um you know, i mean this is normal this is part of this is part of what the agency provided so it's not about that but it's it's more that the individual was self-disclosing a lot like quite a lot in just meeting people, like meeting these people and actually like, I don't even think the person ever came back, at least when I was there. So you're self-disclosing about yourself a lot. Like how helpful is that towards this group of people that you're speaking to? And I feel that that's kind of like similar in terms of just seeing people on social media. Um, I think it's one thing like telling, speaking about your, like your own experiences. I think it's entirely different thing than like trying to give advice and not professionally trained to do so. Right. Well, and that's like the criticism I hear from a lot of like social media, like self-help gurus um, these days is that like they are coming from their own experience of this is how I did it. And then trying to teach other people to do exactly what they did when, like you said, like they're not aware of their own biases and their own um, privileges, I guess, you know, like their circumstances that where they came into this wealth or this, you know, like, I don't, mental well-being or whatever it is, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, you know, to be able to help people out of their own unique circumstances. It's, it's really hard. I mean, it's hard for me. I think that's a thing too. And I talk to my students about this, like it's hard and people come in with a lot of different expectations of what therapy is and a lot of different expectations of and assumptions and beliefs. And it's, people think it's like giving advice. People think that you're doing so much of that and you're really not, um, mm-hmm. you're really, really not doing that kind of work. You're really, um, I mean, it depends again, like this goes into just how somebody practices and we all practice so differently, but um, just, it's not, a, it's really, I mean, you can present recommendations you for people's reduction in their symptoms whatever that is you can also present um you can also present as well just alternatives and possible solutions but you're not really giving like advice 
And I mm. feel like a lot of people come in looking for advice or say that. And that's a very quick thing that I have to pretty regularly explain to people is that that's not what I'm doing. That's not what this is. Um, mm-hmm. We can have like a conversation and go back and forth. Like we don't, I don't, uh, you know, depending on what the person wants, I don't have to sit in silence the entire time. Um, but we don't need, like we can do that, but there's, I'm not giving advice. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that you say that because I'm looking at it from a marketing perspective and it's so yeah. easy to see from a marketing perspective, how these like self-help gurus just take off because they are offering that like magic bullet of, I can fix you and I could give you advice and I can tell you exactly what to do when the reality is like, there's no cookie cutter, you know, answer. Like you have to work through and, you know, like kind of find your own solution. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think the thing too, is it, it definitely depends on the population. Yeah. I think that's what, and I think that's like, we get blanket statements. Like yeah, we'll talk at some point um, with the podcast, just, you know, I mean, I think that in the last year, I think there's been so much just um, conversations about mental health. And then it really got put on steroids in 2020 with the pandemic and then really with the conservatorship um, with, mm-hmm. with Brittany last year. I mean, there's, and that was a, a very specific type of conversation that I don't think a lot of people understand. And, I only, and I'll tell you, I only really understand because I worked in the emergency department and did that, a version of that work for right. two and a half years. But right. that's a very different thing than doing therapy. Like, and I don't like that. I'm just taking this for example that I don't think people understand. Like that's a very, very severe, we're talking about we're talking about like emergency room settings, hospital settings. It's pretty severe um, psychiatric illness compared to talking about quality of life issues, like common mm-hmm. things, people getting divorced, people having children, people being cheated on, people um, people having conflict with friends, people, um, just people moving, grief and loss, the deaths of, of loved ones. Um, any graduations, all of that kind of stuff. And I'm missing like a ton, but all of that is like quality of life issues that Mm -hmm. generally financial, financial issues are a huge one. Um, Everything going on with like the great resignation and just the job market right now. And what has been going on where if somebody is been impacted from working from home from two years and isn't connecting with people like that's all quality of life issues. That's a very different thing than dealing with somebody that is had breaks, had multiple breaks over the course of psychotic breaks in terms of experiencing like um, experiencing delusions, hallucinations, like that's a very different thing. And that is something where like when you're working with like those types of issues, diseases, disorders, that's where there's way more structure and way more, way more recommendations in terms of how are you structuring somebody's day that may not be able to physically take care of themselves. Um, that's, that's where you're seeing like a lot more of recommendations. Um, and a, it really just, in a really structured way that's highly emphasized compared to like in therapy where 
you're exploring as things come up and it's, it's really, I really look at therapy. Like it is, um, like it is an art form and the sense mm-hmm. of just, there's so many ways to go about it. Every provider will do it differently. And there's so many ways to address symptoms of anxiety and symptoms of depression and all these quality of life issues that I've explained. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think the thing too, that I just, I, I'm really interested just, who is it that you've really, um, has there been anybody like on social media? Do you follow a lot of um, like mental health and like well-being kind of pages on social media? Yeah, I have like stumbled upon a lot over the years. And I feel like with more and more, um, like when the pandemic started, um there's been more and more emphasis on mental health and more mental health conversation. Um, and like I said, just a lot of like, you know, mental health advocates that are popping up. And like I said, there's been, you know, some stuff that like I, as a consumer would consider great. Um, like just people posting, especially like ADHD, I have ADHD and attentiveness. So like uh, talking about stuff that's relatable, especially to women with ADHD and especially inattentiveness, inattentiveness only ADHD, um, which are kind of different than if you have the hyperactivity, whether you have it alone or with inattentiveness. Um, so yeah, it's like great having people just to relate to, and also people just sharing like little tips and hacks for how to, you know, go about daily life. Um, has, I've seen a lot of in particular ADHD stuff. Um, Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think it's, and you know, it's so funny you mentioned that she's for everyone listening. If you're not aware, this is something that is important to, I think for us to address it with ADHD, specifically the inattentiveness with women. Um, What happens a lot of times is that it goes undiagnosed. You diagnose the boys in school, right? You diagnose the hyperactivity that you're seeing um, with with girls and with with women. It's such a it's it's such a different thing where they unfortunately get looked over and um, get lost in the process, which isn't healthy. So I think this is a great example of just, I think that's phenomenal that that information is out there and that there's a lot of information from what you're saying. I think that's terrific. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That specific. And personally for me, I mean, I was, I didn't get an official diagnosis until I was in grad school. Um, and I had like a moment like freshman year of college where I was like, I think I have, ADHD. And I talked to a therapist and she said, Oh no, I don't think you have it. And that was very invalidating. Um, and then when I started grad school again, um, I was like, okay, I, this isn't normal. You know, I, I'm going to get a second opinion. Um, and then I finally got like the official diagnosis and like did through, like went through the testing and stuff. So I think in that particular example, you know, social media, um, the mental health advocates, you know, things like that. Like it might, um, inspire somebody to 
go get help, um, especially someone like me who, you know, did sort of get like turned down and felt invalidated and um, yeah. is, you know, yeah. coming back around to having those symptoms and not knowing what to do with it. So, yeah, I think that's true. And, and it just, I thank you just for sharing that. I love how you say that because Mara, like I have, um, we actually have a mutual friend from college as well that, um, this, this person, um, who is, who is male was told me that was, he was diagnosed with ADHD. I, I don't, I believe it was in college. If not after, it might have even been after college. I get like, and that's, and I think that that's really, it's sad. Like you really see yeah. this happening a lot with people. And again, just taking it back to the social media page, that this is where it definitely is helpful seeing somebody that's like had it saying like these and posting, like, this is what I experienced. Like, and, and going through that and you're watching this, oh my God, like maybe that was me too, or maybe I'm experiencing that. Like, I think it's great in terms of that and just understanding the hacks of it, the symptoms of it. Um, this is what worked for me. Like that kind of, I get that. I yeah. think just, I think where there's like, there needs to be like a boundary created. And I don't know who there is to really regulate this um, is really, I, I think the differentiation is just, again, just, promoting promoting a very specific type of advice or advisement for how to handle it mm -hmm. um i think that's where there's kind of like that separation coming in that we see it that, that's important um for mm -hmm. us to just all kind of be aware of yeah yeah for sure yeah i think um you know and i think it's so funny and we talk about this too that um and you're telling me who you've kind of followed during the pandemic and maybe even before. So everyone listening, it's kind of crazy. I have never followed any um, mental health pages, either if it's from like a provider or a mental health advocate until last year. And I'm going to be completely honest. The only reason that I did follow who I've followed, which is like one person, um, is just when I was just getting into uh, content creation, it was really more for marketing and just informing me of like digital marketing and what is this person doing and how mm -hmm. is, um, this person, how is this person communicating their authentic self to an audience? on mm -hmm. social media. And that's what I really use it for. But it's so funny because there's so obviously there's so much there's this whole industry in terms of self-care and mental well-being and mental health. And for me, I like it is because it's my industry. Like I don't um, really watch anything related to it because it's not because it's just it's not. Um, it's not relaxing. It's like the, honestly, the last thing that I want to look at. And I love what I do. Um, obviously or I wouldn't be doing this. Um, I absolutely love what I do. Um, but just for me, like, it's just, I really need an escape like throughout the day. I can't even say at the end of the day, throughout the day, um, just focusing on if it's pop culture, if it's theater stuff. And I think that 
that's, I, I don't know. Like everybody's so different. Like I have friends and I know a lot of people that follow mental health professionals. I just think it just depends on your mood and on your personality. If you want to um, participate in the community or not. <laughs> Yeah. 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 No, but like, again, like thinking about like the marketing perspective, that makes total sense because a lot of this content is made to be educational and informative and you have your education on that subject, you know, like you don't need to be learning through reels and TikToks. So that makes total sense that you would not be drawn to those types of accounts. But that is so funny, like how different experiences can be on social media, because I see it all the time, every day. Like I follow several accounts. I get like my for you page. The algorithm is tailored to show me that content. It's just like so crazy how different people's experiences can be like on your for you page. Like, do you get any mental health content since you are set up as like a psychotherapist account? I only get, um, be too bad I don't have like another phone because I'm recording from my phone. That'd be really hilarious to show what my algorithm is. Yeah. Um, but um it's only this one provider, um, mm-hmm. a modern therapist, Justin mm-hmm. Pruder Pooter. I just butchered his last name. Um, he's a he's a licensed psychologist in Florida. And um I, I liked him. What, what spoke to me about him was just that he's I really believe that this is who I'm watching. Like, I really mm-hmm. believe that this authenticity of this person. And I really enjoy just that. And it really helped me understand just putting myself on this and on these different platforms and just how to do that and communicate who you are. Um, mm-hmm. So that, but other than him, um, no, I don't know. I don't get any, it's, like my algorithm is um, like New York theater, gay, um, COVID, uh, Ukraine and Russia. Um, yeah, like that's, uh, and it's, oh my God, I'm forgetting like astrology. astrology. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You send me astrology stuff all the time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So that's like what, yeah, like that's what shows up just pretty consistently on mine. Um, yeah. Oh, I did want to ask you okay. since we just, um, when, yeah. since you just brought it up, um, a lot of people have been saying that um, on TikTok, like uh, content that is geared toward LGBT plus or talks about anything LGBT plus related has kind of been not like shadow banned there's some sort of like homophobic, transphobic um, stuff going on there. Have you experienced any of that? Like with the videos you've created, like haven't like done uh, as well, haven't gotten as many I, views. I think they've done better. I really think okay. mine have done. And I haven't done like, you know, and that was really a question that I had for myself was just what so much of the conversation for anybody just just right now is like with digital marketing is like niching down and like how mm-hmm. much are you niching down like we know it's like mental health but then like what are you specifically providing so for me um i have a huge interest in trauma and have had so and really enjoy that work so 
Um, and not everybody does it. That's just, that's the thing that I think it's becoming, um, it's, yeah, it's really becoming like, I think it's really big on social media, but a lot of providers do not do trauma. Like my best friend, like she specializes in grief and loss and she doesn't work with trauma. And, um, there's plenty of people that I, I could probably think of that do not, um, work with trauma. And I really do um, in, enjoy or am very passionate, I guess I should say about that type of work. So I really made the decision to really advertise for that because I've had quite a bit of just, even at times just you don't, especially when you're at internships, you don't really choose a lot of the times who you're assigned to. So just, it kind of happened just, um, a lot of different internships where I was and just those and just the different issues that would come up that way. So I, um, yeah, so a lot of trauma and then I have definitely as well, like advertised for LGBTQ and I posted like some content I haven't, it's not my full page, but for me, I guess to answer the question for me that my contents I, I think it's actually done better hmm. um, to be completely honest for, for me, but I don't know. Like, I wonder what, cause I didn't hear that. Like what was the kind of complaint or the concern with like the homophobia or like the transphobia? Was it the comments people were making or. No, it's not with users. It's with the app creators itself like um there are creators who have said that they've been shadow banned and locked up locked out of their accounts there are certain creators who you'll see they have like a backup account set up because they've been locked out of their account so many times because if you like create content that's considered like harmful I think you can get kicked out of your account for like up to a week so um that's like the stuff that I've and people saying like because that's why like some people will like misspell like lesbian they'll spell like l-e-z-b-e-a-n because they say that like yeah um like the algorithm picks it up and it won't like show um it won't show the content to as many people so yeah Oh, that's so interesting. I didn't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I haven't heard that. Oh my gosh. Like, but that's like terrible if that's true. Um, just, just again, like we're just, it's so crazy. Like we're still seeing this on, it's crazy. Like in 2022 on just such a different level, it's, it's interesting. And I think that, um, wow, I'm really like surprised unfortunately by this and I think again I think it's just because um I don't know just because of how I use the platform what I'm using the platform for and also just my own algorithm like I don't know if like I would see it just because like that kind of content does come up like quite a bit for me so um but I wonder what exactly like the content is too yeah, I'm I I can't think of like any specific examples yeah. off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fine. It's um it's really interesting, I think. Yeah. Um in in terms of that. So there was um now there was two that there's different um 
roles at times that I'm seeing in terms of like certificates that people have had? What's that all about? What do you mean? With what I'm seeing here with Gaga's Be There certificate. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Lady Gaga has a foundation with her mother, um, the Born This Way Foundation. And for some reason in my memory, I don't know if this is like Mandela effect or what, but I thought that she founded this organization specifically for LGBT plus youth because she was concerned about the homeless, uh, you know, LGBT plus youth that are being displaced from their homes because of family issues. In my mind, I like thought that she developed this foundation for that, but I'm like going back now and I can't find any information that says that. So let me know if you thought that too, um, listeners. With the, with the Born This Way Foundation? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was, I didn't, oh my gosh. Um, we have to have like my friend, my friend John on, I think at some point to talk about because he works at the um, LGBT community center on 13th mm-hmm. street in, in New York city, the second largest LGBTQ community center in the country. So he mm-hmm. could probably answer this for us. But I mean, I think that, um, I thought it was, I, I thought it was just after, um, after um, Tyler Clemente in New Jersey from Rutgers, after he had committed suicide by like jumping off the GW, and then she came out with the Born This Way album. I thought it was like centered around like mental health protection for um, individuals within the community, like mm-hmm. but related to that. Like I didn't know it was specifically homeless. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I thought that, but I, so what the official like foundation says is that they're um, anti-bullying. And so they fund initiatives that are like um, promoting kindness and anti-bullying. So with this be their certificate, they partnered with Jack.org, which is an organization in Canada that works with youth and they have um, courses that they put out. They'll have seminars that they'll do to teach teens and adolescents how to better, you know, better mental health hygiene. Um, So they partnered with this organization to create a short online course um, to be, um, a better assistance and just like a, you know, um, typical person way, you know, without having any professional background. Um, but kind of like what your role is in being a friend, if you have, if you're concerned about a friend or a relative, um, about their mental well-being, how to have a conversation with them and then relay them to help. So I just, I, I yeah. Yeah, go no, go I ahead. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. No, I mean it sounds I haven't seen the curriculum, but I mean I think that's terrific for kids and doing yeah. that. And um just I, I think there needs to be so much of that 
Um, so I just, I think that's really great because I mean, oh my gosh, like this again, like right now I go back to talk about stage rage a lot. Seriously, just what you're describing. We had that in, um, we had that one year of the show where, and again, this is all before the pandemic, but, um, we had so actually crazy story. I'll just tell the whole story. So this is, and this is how it relates to this. So um, pop culture in 2017 was um, there was a lot of backlash when um, 13 Reasons Why came out that Selena Gomez produced. There was a lot of backlash um, where I worked, um, the school that I worked, they actually sent a letter out to parents uh, and regarding this, just to warn them, just um, because you were start because it was very graphic in at that time in nature of all this. So we had just, because that came out right when we were doing stage rage that year and we made it, uh, the adults, um, the theater director and I made a decision and spoke to the kids about this, that, you know, this year we're not going to include um, any, because the kids picked what topics they wanted to show. We said, you know, just with everything that's going on and this is a school and we're touring the middle school. So we're not going to, um, do any, sh any scenes on suicide, suicidality. And, and of course, when you tell, um, adolescents in high school to not do something, they're going to do the complete opposite. And we probably had like three or four scenes that like, of, that were like great scenes, but that they like built into the show and did these whole things on now. Um, and, and the point with this is that there was one scene that really stood out a lot where there was, that was based on reality and we tied in like different, a number of people in the projects, just different experiences. And the story is that um, just the basic scene was that there's a kid who sees something on somebody posting on social media that they want to harm themselves. And um, the whole thing was between the, the whole point of this, the, the, the scene was between the kids fighting. Do we say something? Do we not say something? Do we say something? Do we not say something? And then um, they did make the decision to go tell an adult and get help. That's part, you know, part of this whole scene. And then you see that the person did get treatment is and says that they're, thank you. I'm feeling better. I'm on my way to recovery. And then the whole, my favorite part of it is actually somebody else that was involved in the scene comes out at the end and speaks to the audience and says, um, this says a monologue, performs a monologue about an experience they had in another country um, in the Caribbean where somebody actually did, somebody, a friend did tell them they wanted to harm themselves and actually went, uh, did go through with it. And this person explains this in the mo monologue and says to the audience at the end, so, if you know something, say something because no secret is worth a life. And I see that like all over with the Gaga stuff just right now. And I think that that's really um, phenomenal that, that, that this is here because our peers are our just first level of defense so much. Like we're going, that's who we turn to, I think developmentally at any age to an extent, I don't think it's just kids. And I think that's something that really happens. So I think it's really wonderful that they're doing that. Um, and that there are these different golden rules that we see with it, such as say what you see and show that you care and hear them out and know your role and connect to help. And 
again, like it goes back to this be there for yourself and this kind of self-care um, thing that I think is really, really awesome. So yeah. are there any like, because um, we're hearing like, we, it sounds like we both like Gaga, like this kind of, um, this kind of um, platform and program. Is there anybody that you're not kind of crazy about, Mara, that you've kind of seen? Okay, so if anyone listens to the Sounds Like a Cult podcast, they did an episode specifically on an Instagram, someone who, well, they call themselves a psychologist. And I guess if they have their ID, they, if they have their ID, but they lost their license, what, what would their title be? Could they call themselves a psychologist? It depends on the state. Okay. Okay. It depends on the so, state. Like if that happened, yeah, like. Sorry, if that happened to, um, yeah. well, it's so conf. That's so confused. That's a, that's actually really yeah. con- because they could have multiple. I'll explain it for myself. Like, I, you have a master's. Like, I have a master's in mental health counseling. So mm-hmm. I have. I'm a licensed professional counselor in the state of New Jersey. I'm mm-hmm. also working towards my license to be a licensed psychologist. So two separate licenses, and everybody gets confused about this, two mm-hmm. very, in, for New Jersey, New York, for here, two separate licenses, two separate licensing boards, two separate exams, um, two separate set of requirements. It's very different. Um, so... Yeah. I mean, it depends on the state. Like if they were in this mm-hmm. state, they would, and they, yeah, they wouldn't be able to call themselves a psychologist. So that's a separate, just in terms of the licenses, but it, so okay. you said this person lost her license. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Um, and they didn't use her name because they said they were being, they were afraid of being sued. So I'm not going to use her name either, yeah. but she's someone that I constantly see other people sharing, um, in their stories. And I, when I listened to this episode, I realized that I myself was following her. (laughs) Um, but she posts a lot of, uh, advice that is, um, like taking responsibility for yourself and like about manifesting, um, and not really taking, into consideration anything else that's going on in your life. Um, and she also offers these like group sessions that, you know, um, another example of that where people are paying her to do these sessions. Um, and you know, the person isn't licensed to be doing that really. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, I'm like really surprised. <laughs> like, mm. I don't even, I don't know how this person's doing this. I don't know what they're, I don't know. I'd be really interested. My gosh. Um, yeah. I wonder if they're like advertising is like life coaching at that point. Um, but I don't know how you would explain that to people that you're, I don't like, I don't, it, it's, I think this is the thing. And I've had this conversation with a friend um, that I used to work at the hospital that I worked out with. And um, we were just talking about this. You know, it's, it's so scary because people that are not in the industry um, do not like, 
know at times just what they're getting into. Like I could, if I did like when, not if, when I've had to find a provider for myself, I've been able to like sort out very quickly, filter very quickly. So I think it's really concerning um, that it's the other, you just don't know if you're not in the industry, like you're like who you're speaking to. And that's a really scary thing at times, right? right? That like you could be in a room with somebody or doing telemedicine, you have no clue what that person's kind of, um, I think approaches. And I think that that's part of why I'll tell you, like I get a lot of, because this is the thing too, that I'll say that um, prior to working in the hospital, again, like at that point I was at a school. So I had the same, I might've had the same clients for three, four years and had then it had their relatives at times and um, in, in different kind of capacities. So my point is that I knew them, they knew me. I'm also working on a school, like school property. So people would see me around. So there's a comfortability there or there's a safety or there's a safety there way compared to the now I'm doing private practice where people do not know me at all. Um, so they're, they're very, people come on very, when I'm doing sessions with them, very, very nervous, very, very nervous. And I think that that's some of like, who am I like talking to about, uh, my grief and loss or my trauma or, um, just my family conflict, like whatever it is or coming out, like whatever that kind of is. And I think that that's kind of, wow, um, where we're seeing that come out, but that's really, um, surprising to me that that does kind of exist yeah. uh, what was or what's up with the hashtags are you surprised or what's your kind of view with like the teacher talks and like the great resignation and like the healthcare worker stuff well I mean you yourself had an experience with that and I mean we saw those videos just totally blow up did you I mean did you want to talk about your own experience oh my gosh so with the so it's so funny that it's now I was thinking this before just with my algorithm that um when I started the the TikTok account and it was and I was asking like other people like when you were if you're really watching my stuff what else do you does it start throwing at you and it was coming up um medical it wasn't coming mm. up like therapy it was coming mm. up medical but it also was mm. again like I was in scrubs I was in at times I was talking about the Britney stuff but I was and I was talking um and then I had this experience that kind of crazy what happened it was I had I had um resigned from the hospital and just as, but right before I resigned, this is like right before New Year's, um, I was exposed along with two other coworkers of mine to a patient that was COVID positive. And um, this is during, this was right after, you know, Christmas, this was, this was before New Year's and this was during that huge wave of Omicron that just disrupted all of our just, holidays so um it was really crazy like it was and I had never had COVID um until this point and it was really it was really wild and that was when the um 
that was when the um, the CDC changed um, changed the policy of the quarantining. They changed that because it was ten days, and then they changed it to five. And this is the thing that got really dicey because there again, and I again, like I found this out from TikTok. I didn't find this out from anywhere else. It was my friend that I worked with, a coworker that told me, yo, you need to check out TikTok because what they're saying is it, it was changed to five days um, because at five days, they didn't, the government um, or legally, these businesses, these companies do not have to pay you uh, disability. So this was like this whole other world. And it was quite, I mean, it was quite an ending. I went out with quite a bang at the hospital that I'll speak about in a moment, but it got really, really wild. And I had a lot of symptoms, the breathing, I have asthma, um, exhaustion. I mean, the, the pain that I didn't even know, like that was a symptom. Like I didn't even realize like the pain that I had, um, with it in terms of, and make a long story short, I was then requested to um, go back to work the day after I tested positive for COVID. And there was a lot of pressure put on me. As a result, it got pretty nasty and pretty, um, yeah, just not great. And it was really alarming. And, and during this, I just started posting on TikTok my experience of being sick. And um, overnight, my like my videos, like multiple of them started going viral about this. And I posted one about that I tested, that I was retested um, for COVID and I was still positive. And I was required to go into work. So I'm going into work now. And crazy enough, I get this call and I'm really texting you about this. I get this call, like, I don't know, like nine o'clock in the morning. Um, and I like screen the call. So I didn't pick it up and I had this voicemail, but then I get this text message coming through and it's um, somebody from Inside Edition that wants to, they wanted to speak to me because Inside Edition wanted to have me on and they did this whole piece on, healthcare workers that are sick and have to go back to work. And um, I did participate in this. It was really crazy. But I think this is the thing that with, when we have something like um, the hashtag with the healthcare workers or just that community out there that people working in the medical field that, you know, I had a friend that said to me, because I, I was really surprised that they would want it, that Inside Edition would want to speak to me or, really be interested in, in anybody really being interested in the TikTok at this point. And um, I had a friend that said to me, you know what the thing is, you put a human element on this. You put, you, you put that in. It's mm -hmm. and, and I think that that's really sad that that's what it took to get the attention. Cause it's not about me. I think it's really just about the community of just healthcare workers and the community right. of people that I still care about that work at the hospital and right. people that, um, just that there's, I mean, I get that that shorts, I, I get that there's a staffing issue and that that's what a lot of this is with that being said, like, if you're sick, how are you supposed to be treating, um, 
a patient, like what is the quality in the care? And then the other end of it too is I can tell you that if I'm a patient, I do not want to be treated by somebody who is positive for COVID. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you that right now. And I got a lot of questions about that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really sad. And it really, and I think taking it back to mental health, it really, really does impact mental health. The way, and I talk about this, you know, where I'm teaching um, with the students that we talk about, you know, what is the work culture? What is the atmosphere, the climate, the atmosphere, the environment where you're working? I mean, this all plays in, and this is really something that you can't even identify as just one hospital. It's the entire healthcare system at this point in this Mm -hmm. country that, I mean, you see people just go on TikTok and scroll and you see just these nurses and just all these different providers and mental health providers, um, especially as well too, just the, just the abuse, frankly, at times. And I just really hope that we can all kind of advocate for something better because it's just why you're seeing um, this huge resignation, this great resignation of people who are leaving, including myself. I didn't think that I would, Um, Mm -hmm. but I, and I made the decision prior to this happening, but I was, once this happened, I knew that I had made the right decision, that mm-hmm. I need to do something else um, that's that's going to be better and that I'm going to help people in a really different way. So, but at the same time, you had, you were such an asset to people in the emergency department who you helped yeah. and who needed you at that time. And now you're no longer able to be in that role and help people in that way. And that's, what's so concerning to me, you know, is the people that are leaving and who's going to be there, you know? Yeah. And I mean, that's what, and, and you're seeing this commentary so much like on social media, look at mm-hmm. any, Everybody giving you some homework, look at any type of um, any social media platform and look up the healthcare workers and look up the mm-hmm. healthcare work, the healthcare system. And you're going to hear this. I mean, there's such a resignation. They haven't mm-hmm. hired since I've been gone. I can tell you mm-hmm. this is, and again, like it's, yeah, I mean, I can talk about like where I work, but like it's, and I worked in the third busiest year in the country, but the thing is that it's bigger than this. It's mm-hmm. a bigger, it's bigger than that location. It's the entire country in terms of people are leaving. And just what you're saying that there's, they're very short staff. So you're dealing with um, people that are at burnout, having to go to work, working six days a week. I'm talking about mental health professionals, specifically in the emergency department, working six days a week, um, pretty burnt out. And also just like, there's not a great treatment of them and that there's more people that are leaving and you have what's called per diem workers where you, I have friends that have full-time jobs and then pick up hours at the hospitals on the weekends or on a weeknight, whatever it is, they're picking up less hours. So you may have like a total of four people in a shift and I'm being generous in saying four, it could be three people. And there's an ER filled with um, patients that are needing psychiatric evaluations. So there's just, you have people. So, I mean, it's, it's really trickling down into then you have patients that are sitting in the emergency department for hours, endlessly children sitting in, I mean, just uh, elderly people sitting in all these different people just waiting for evaluations. And, um, 
depending on their situation, how they were brought in may not legally be allowed to leave. So then they're waiting for um, somebody to come down, a clinician and a psychiatrist, you know, to do an evaluation. So, and it just, it really backs up and it's like, how many people can you adequately assess in your eight and a half hour shift? That's, that's, yeah, like it's, it's a real issue and you're seeing, and again, like I just, I want to stick to the social media that you can really find this. It's, I'm not saying anything that isn't already out there. Mm -hmm. Um, like it's so just pervasive and just on social media in terms of just seeing a day in the life of and what that is like and just what that think of like what that does for somebody's mental health and then you're dealing with too with healthcare workers there is a huge issue in the industry with with all types of first responders that I I do talk about with police and firefighters and medical medical professionals that um, seriously need, um, mental health treatment. And I know this because I like, this is what I did for almost three years. So I, I'm not speaking at a term, like I've lived it and for myself and have seen this for myself and for a lot of other people in a lot of different departments and will not seek it out for a variety of reasons. And it comes back to like, the, the comments that I got on my TikTok a lot when I would post about the urgency for it is time. The healthcare workers don't have time. And just my kind of thing with that is like, okay, great. But like, how am I going to go and tell somebody like my patient or my client to go take care of themselves and do that in good faith if I'm not going to like do that for myself right. um, and encourage that for myself, but then I'm going to encourage somebody else to seek treatment. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, you know, there's a tension with it. It's, it's, it's not easy. Well, and that's when your workplace is creating that stress load, there's a responsibility Mm -hmm. on the workplace to provide adequate help to be able to manage that, you know? So I think workplaces need to do better of it's like, not out of left field that healthcare workers are going through stress and trauma during a time like this, you know, workplaces yeah. need to be doing more to be able to allow their workers to seek the treatment that they need. You know, like if they're saying, I don't have the time to do that, the workplace needs to make time for them to do that. I, I totally, I mean, I agree hundred percent because in it's, and this is the thing too, for everybody who's listening, it is just EAP because now I'm on the other end of providing for that. And what e, EAP yeah. is, is employee assistance programs that go through companies. So this is the thing that, and, and there's a different way of billing insurance for that, that I've now done in my practice. And my point with saying this is that Please make, I I really want to make this point. Five sessions is not enough. You may hear about EAP on social media. You, if you look into um, just different well-being kind of programs and things that are offered and that's being rolled into people's benefits. Um, I believe the times has done some articles on this as well. The thing that's important to know is that please like with this work and with mental health treatment that I'm really, this is my view, um, take it or leave it. But with my background that I really am a proponent of long-term care. So um, 
my employer paying me to go for five sessions, eight sessions really doesn't mean much to me. It's really like long-term care. And again, what you said, like maybe doing group therapies, having to bring people in and build that in on all different floors. I mean, everybody has been affected in the last two years. And this is something that you'll see on social media and so much with, if it's COVID with, with now, there's so much anxiety that everyone's experiencing between the inflation and the Ukraine and Russia stuff. Again, like that's, what's coming up on my um, algorithm, my TikTok a lot. And I'm sure some people out there who's listening, the point is just please understand just between COVID and um the conflict in Ukraine and also just a lot of these social justice um, issues that have popped up a lot as well. We can even look what's been going on in New York, New York recently with a lot of discrimination and, and violence towards the Asian commu- uh, community. The, the point is that what I want to say to you guys, just please, like, if you do not believe that you have been um, impacted in the last two years by all of these events, I seriously... Okay, guys, I, um, this conversation, there's so much to talk about with social media and there's a lot more we want to get into. So we're going to wrap up for this week, but, um, we're going to continue this conversation in a part two for next week. So tune back in for that. And here's the thing that Mara and I want you to really reflect on between this week's episode and next week's episode, part two of this conversation that we're having is take a moment, go through your Instagram, go through your TikTok, go through your feed on whatever platform it is. It could be YouTube, it could be Facebook, whatever the medium is that you use and start looking and seeing just what is popping up on your algorithm and question, well, what is the reason that um, this is what's being sent to me? And then second, which I think is the more interesting piece is what is it about these reels, these videos, um, these Twitter accounts, whatever it is, what is it about that that again, really interests me and intrigues me. Let us know what you find out and there's ways to do that. Definitely. If you want to just kind of think about that and reflect on it, you can definitely do that. But if you want to let us know, you can email us at so psychedpod at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voicemail in the link in the show notes. You can click and leave us a voicemail that we can feature in future episodes. You can also let us on know on social media. We are at so psyched pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. You can let us know on any of those platforms. And um also if you guys are loving the show and you want to show us some support. The best thing you can do is make sure you're subscribed on wherever you're listening to this or watching. Um, Make sure you're, you know, following on your favorite podcast app or subscribed on the YouTube channel. And also, if you could share this episode on whatever social media you're on um, and tag us so we know, we'll, um, you know, give a couple shout outs to uh, thank you guys for sharing. But that's the best thing that you can do for us. And we really appreciate that. All right. Thank you so much, guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you.